What's up, everybody? Today's episode is brought to you by All I Need. Um, I'll go ahead and type in allineedskate.com. And the first thing you'll see when you scroll down is a video titled, Skater Gets Nuts Tickled by Stranger. (laughs) And yes, I forgot about this. But um, this is my way of introducing you to the All I Need Skate YouTube page. Um, Yeah, this video, Skater Gets Nuts by Tickled. If you know CJ Lindy, he's a crazy man. And somehow he gets himself into these crazy situations. It's downtown Boston midday. And this man's making magic happen. (laughs) Check out that video. And if you like it, hit the subscribe button at the end. And subscribe to the channel. Because we're putting up tons of content. We've been putting up videos daily. And uh, from everyone that's on the team. And we've been crushing it. Another video um, I've been doing is... I started a segment titled In My Opinion. And I asked people to send me one minute of their best raw raw footy, no music, um, just their raw skate footage, to shetlershow at gmail.com. And uh, I've been getting them. People have been sending them in. I haven't gotten to them all, but I'm, I'm starting to churn these things out. But uh, I sit down and watch your video, and you'll see my reaction. I got the picture in picture so you can see my face and my reactions, and uh, I'll give you my opinion on your part. The first, I think I've done three, four, maybe five now. And they've all been pretty solid, man. Um, but yeah, if you want to submit a video, that'd be sick too. I'll watch it and give you my opinion. And it's all lighthearted, you know? So, But uh, I don't know. I'm hyped to watch all these videos. I don't watch enough skate stuff nowadays. And it's sick just to see something that someone put together, like a creation, like, here, check it out. And then to be able to actually give feedback is fun. Um, but yeah, if you send, a, send that, that'd be sick. And then, yeah, and at the top we have our skate shop, the store, and we got our camo pack-and-go windbreaker. It folds up into a front pocket. I take mine everywhere on every trip uh, I go. I just, the thing's, it's so clutch. Um, And we also just released our All I Need flight jacket, which uh, is crushing. We got it in three colors. We got navy, black, and olive. And we updated our logo. It's the A logo with the All I Need down the head of the side. I'm really hyped on how everything turned out and uh, we only do small orders we do small runs so like once they're gone they're gone so you know we, we, we make it so we can move them you know so if don't sleep on them and we also have our all I weed all I weed nug jar <laughs> I was really hyped I'm really happy on saying this thing's so clutch metal glass nug jar with the the metal clasp and everything here and I think we only have three left I'm going to be honest, I see three from here. There's not much left, but it's 15 bucks. Everything's free shipping. Our new decks are dropping uh, 5-1, so May 1st, right? Uh, Seafood Vengeance by Peter James Glenn. He crushed on the artwork, man. And uh, if you'll notice in our lineup now, we have four decks. So we have four pros on All I Need. Myself, Corey Goonan, Timmy Knuth, and introducing Derek Fukuhara. Uh, and his first pro model board is in this line. If you want to check out the art, it's on our online store. You can go there and you can see it. Or even on our Instagram, which is at All I Need Skate. Um, same with the Facebook and the Twitter. And uh, yeah, I've rambled on enough. A lot of cool skateboarding stuff. Very proud of everything we're doing. Uh, feeling awesome and blessed. And uh, I was really hyped to do this podcast as well. Uh, like I said, you'll hear about me and Brian's relationship 
in this podcast. But um, I don't know. Brian helped me out when I needed it, and uh, he was always an honest, upfront person, very expressive. Um, I don't know. He made an impact on me. And I, I, I just hadn't had a chance to catch up with him in a while. Like, we used to sit and talk all the time. Like, when I lived with him, we'd have these long-ass conversations, kind of like we did today. And we'd go back and forth on things. And, like, I just really enjoyed my time with Brian. And uh, I'm hyped we did it again. And I'm glad you guys get to hear it. And uh, thank you for everyone who shares every episode or... or um, Anyone who gives us feedback, if you go to the iTunes store and you leave a comment and rate the show, uh, anything like that. And when you suggest guests and all the shares and reposts, everything is, I appreciate it so much and it helps the growth of the show, which is awesome. And it's been very cool to like keep this going and uh, have it take up some of my time, you know, like be able to sit down and have these conversations and, um, this back and forth with you guys this is so cool what we're creating together um and i feel honored and uh i'm hyped that there's so much so many epic humans out there so let's keep this going man uh enjoy i just love the skating and the scene rain rain go away all i need is a skateboard today or today or today This is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All I Need Skate founder, Anthony Shetler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skaters in the garage. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. on this thing. <laughs> Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me and you learn some tricks or whatever and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know, the other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad. Admiration. Yeah, yeah the admiration or the, the affirmation. Real. Recognize real. If I didn't experience those crazy moments to my life, then these great moments would never be as great as they have been. Honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos, and I was like, holy fuck, this is sick. Yeah. This is what I want to do. I want to start in the beginning. Uh, yeah. Let's start with where you came from. Like, where were you born? It obviously sounded, you know, as funny as I do. All you Americans say don't have an accent. I was born in Liverpool, England, home of the Beatles. Nice. Uh, home of Jeff Rowley. So I was born there in 79. And uh, all I knew was soccer, you know, football. I think you kick with your foot. And... Uh, Fighting and being an idiot, that's kind of all I knew, so. <laughs> what, uh, what were you, what were you into as a kid? You were into soccer, and were you pretty good at it? Um, you know, I was just very aggressive, and not like at people, I was just very physical, like I grew up, you know, it was always martial arts, so, so when I played soccer, I was a defender, so I would just charge people, and it wasn't like to take them out, I just felt like contact was just what you did, yeah. uh, so I played, I didn't care that much, my dad wanted me to it. He says I was good. I don't think I was that good. Hmm. Uh, and it was just that. I mean, it's just, you know, that's why I think I relate to the East Coast a lot more because it's it's down, but it can be dark and dull. And Liverpool's kind of like you got your hoodie up or you got a jacket on. And so soccer is just something you do 
all the time, like rain, snow, whatever. Yeah. There was that in martial arts, and that was about the extent. That was what I focused on, really. So. What were, what were yeah. your what, what did your parents do when you were coming up? What were their jobs? And my dad was into crazy stuff when he was younger. You know, him and his family and stuff got out of that when he met my mom. And then he drove a lorry his whole life. That was pretty much it. What did he drive? Like, you know, drove a lorry, you know, a big truck all over England. And my mom took care of the um, elderly, you know, kind of demented and stuff. And then I had two older sisters who, you know, Liverpool's pretty much like a... They said it's capital of culture, which means it's such a cultured city. So I grew up with two sisters that were already wanting to be vegetarian, all about world peace. They were already in the city around all these bands and, like, it was all... I just kind of had this crazy, like, wealth of knowledge always coming home from them. And it was almost like mom and dad were simple and hardworking, and my sisters were, like, traveling the world and all about music and everything else. It was just, I mean, it was cool, but uh, it was a lot of fights and just chaos. So, I, you know, I mean, with people, it was just, it's rough. So, yeah, Do I you, think it was good. It built some character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is that stereotype of, like, people from Liverpool and that area getting into fights and there being, like, yeah. pikeys and whatnot, like, rugged lifestyle. Yeah. Just like the East Coast. Yeah. You go down, you know, there's ghettos yeah. and hoods and it gets a little grimy, but it's just yeah. definitely raw. What, why do you think you were aggressive? Was that just the, that's just the typical attitude? or? You know, I mean, it's almost like if you and me, we go hang out today going to the city center someone's gonna be like what's that dude's headphones why you got a hoodie on hey why the f this why the bleep that and it's almost like fight or flight and i don't think people even realize they know they're doing it yeah and i was just like downtown huntington today people like hey how's it going hey man what's up everyone's just like cheesy surfer like town folk but in liverpool probably like parts of the east coast it's almost like there's like you're kind of a gang and it's like challenging you so i grew up going am i either gonna run from this or maybe out of fear, am I going to, like, freak out and try and take control of it? And probably when you put that with the fact that, you know, my dad had me watching every kind of martial arts. I mean, war, cowboy. So so what is the scene? The someone is seen in those movies that you're the hero. You know, someone stands <laughs> up and says something. So I just figured, like, we're not doing this. If we're going to start fighting, let's go. So I was always just, that was it. And I guess, you know... I mean, I guess I was just an angry kid, too. I mean, <laughs> well, like... You, pu you push someone enough, and you're pretty angry. If I push you in the corner all day, no matter how cool you might be, eventually you're like, enough. Yeah. And that's kind of like Liverpool. It's like you're, you're held down a bit, so... I think I was a nice enough guy, but I just... Not like I didn't want to put up with anyone's whatever, like I'm this hero dude, but I just couldn't deal with that conflict i had to fix it yeah so yeah you yeah. i think that's why we related because where you're from and where i'm from you're, you're almost defensive automatically because people are kind of yeah. the weather makes you kind of mad and it's just yeah. like <laughs> you feel like you're walking around with a bag of bricks on and you're just like kind of pissed off and you think someone's out to get you like yeah it's hard that's, that's <laughs> so your disposition is to be defensive so you're almost like what do you mean and someone's like what's a problem and you're like well now there's a problem and there's never really a problem, so there's always a problem. <laughs> it's not very philosophical, it doesn't make much sense, but that's probably... I, I mean, look at Jeff. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jeff's, what, five, six, five, eight? I mean, and how many fights did he get in? Because the first thing someone said is like, what? Yeah. You just you, you hit first and think later, so it's it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So. What, how, so, I guess you're growing up in Liverpool, your family's doing that stuff, you got your sisters, you're playing soccer. Yeah. Where, where does skateboarding come in? Where's your first introduction? 
You know what, actually? And, well, I'll get to that in a minute. It comes in because in England, you know, America just kind of took over. Like, you had, like, The Simpsons, uh, WrestleMania, all these things coming across from America with a thing called Sky TV. And at the same time, there's, like, the Baywatch thing, and then there was also, you know, Police Academy. Yes. So for whatever reason, you know, you might watch Married with Children or Police Academy and be like, oh, yeah, that's American. But to an English person, it's like, this is American television. So I'm watching all these Police Academy movies, and finally the fourth one comes out, and there's skateboarding in it. Nice. You know, so it's like David Spade. You know, I don't know if you've seen the clip. It's like David Spade, some guy with a curly do. And then it's like Tony Hawk, and I think it's like Cab or Tommy Guerrero or some of these dudes. Was Pear, Pear might have, or no, he's in Back to the Future. He, he's in Gleam in the Cube, Back to the Future, I think, but, but this is like jumping over trash cans, grinding kids, doing funny stuff. And so there's me in England, like 12, 13, what am I doing? I got into a bunch of fights, and I'm watching this, you know, this movie that I think's funny anyway, and they're all grinding. I think it's like a Hollywood thing. And then a few weeks later, on vacation in New Jersey. I mean, I've got I've got Jersey pride. They call it the armpit, but I mean, <laughs> I touched down in Newark. I've driven to um, again. My sisters lived there. They nannied, so I show up in New Jersey, Belmar, and Spring Lake, and I'm just like loving it. You know, in the Seven Elevens, drinking the big gulps. I mean, everyone's in beachwear, and I watch a guy Ollie up a cab right there up in front of a shop on uh, the boardwalk in New Jersey. Go in and buy a Powell Pat Brennan, uh, veg trucks, bullet wheels, and that was it. And I came home with an American skateboard, and I my pants got bigger, and I read all the magazines, and it was like not the new H3 video it came out, and I think it was like 92, 90, and see, I'm starting to even talk faster now because we know each other, so I'm throwing all this stuff out, but it's like, that was it, skating, and I was just this kid like, okay. I mean, could I ever make it to America? I didn't think I was getting sponsored, but I just thought, man, I want to skate in America. Look at the handrails. I mean, Jeff was already sponsored now, you know, by Deathbox and Travel in Europe. I didn't know him that well. He was a few years older than me, but I would be in town where I didn't know this existed. You, you know, you and me are living in my neighborhood. We take the train into the city center 10, 15 minutes. You realize really quick there's 50 to 100 skateboarders who are, you know, and skateboarding is something you don't do. Yeah. So you all meet at the law courts. It's almost like, you know, you know Dalton and those guys, the five work crew. It's almost like that whole scene in a city where you show up, like me at the Brooklyn Banks, and you go around the whole city all day. I mean, that's what we did. Yeah. So now I've got this new family. You know, and skateboarding is a blessing. I mean, it's almost like its own religion. You just, it's outside of color and race. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it and said, look, this is crazy. And uh, that's all I did for the next few years. Few years. So, yeah, I mean, I look back to, you know, Liverpool is some of the greatest times of my life skating. The music they were into, um, how open-minded they were, though we actually are closed-minded at times as skateboarders. You know, it's our thing, but it just really helped me. And those are beautiful people who just took care of me. And still today, you know, I mean, walked my mother down, held her coffin as she was, you know, no. people that I met then that were still... To this day, best friends of mine. So yeah, yeah, and that's because of skating. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. My clo <laughs> my closest friends for sure have just hung on to skateboarding. Something about skateboarding, the people yeah. the people that gravitated towards it, especially yeah. when we were coming up. It was, like, aggressive people that had issues and street people, <laughs> for real, like, right? 
It was like skateboarding. There's no rules. There's no coaches. You can yeah. just go with your friends, make all the mistakes, and work it out. There's hopefully. coaches now with the cold soccer moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like the scooter kids get all the coaches. The dads are, like, super about the scooter thing. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like they sold the rollerblades and bought scooters. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm, like, half the time, I'm, like, just get rid of the handlebars. Either get on a bike or a yeah. skateboard. But it's fine. I get it. They're yeah. fine. Um, did Deathbox, did that later become Flip? Yeah, it did. So that's Jeremy Fox, I mean, um, Ian Deacon, and, you know, it was Jeff, Alex Moll, obviously guys like Tom Penny were around, um, and it just became Flip because Jeremy brought it over to America, and he was actually in Blitz, you know, which obviously you know was Birdhouse. So you had all these English guys coming over, which was Jeff, Tom, Rune, Andy Scott at the time, Luke McCarty, who's a ripper. Dude, all um, those guys are legendary. All those guys. Yeah. And people don't get it because, you know, Tom Penny was just in this weird place of just everything came together where, I mean, I'm a kid seeing him before you guys did, you know, skating a mini ramp, watching Tom do alley-oop bollies or frontside kickflips then was like he was at his complete peak. Yeah. And then you had Jeff doing what he did. They arrived in America. Um, there was almost like a rivalry at first, like, oh, all these Europeans are coming over. I guess I wasn't here. And then Flip just kind of blew up, um, thanks to things like Transworld, you know, Dave Swift, and the guys like Rick Kosick putting them out there. And then there's me back in England at the time, jumping down steps and handrails, uh, switch grinding stuff and switch kickflipping off pyramids, and I'm winning contests and getting in these little magazines. And pretty much Jeff just said, why don't you come over to America and stay with me in Huntington? Damn. And that was kind of like, you know, I'm 15, I'm in art college. I only went there to be in the city center so I could finish school and and, and it's crazy. I remember just being in art college and like uh, the teacher telling me off. And I said I don't even care about this. I, I, I didn't remember this. A guy just told me this in England like about three three months ago. He said I remember being in art college with you and you sat up and told the teacher I don't even want to be here. I'm only doing this so I can skate. I'm gonna go live in America. And he said whatever. He says and you got up that day and left everything on the table and walked out. <laughs> And he said, he said that the next time I seen you, you were in Transworld Skateboarding. Wow. So not to boast, but I'm just saying, it is funny to think that's how much of a punk kid I was thinking, like, forget this, you know what I mean? So, I, I like um, I like it because it shows that you have initiative and drive and focus and you had a, you had something you wanted to accomplish and you took it, man. Like, to yeah, me, that's yeah. that's sick, you know? It's not, it's not like we know the right answers, you know? All you can really do yeah. is... You can follow your heart and try to pursue things and learn from them, and then it'll lead you as you further it, you know? So that's pretty sick yeah. that you were so dedicated and determined to, like, do it, and then you fucking did it. That's so yeah. sick. <laughs> and this is the time, you know, when, I mean, Jeff would show up back from America with all these cool beatnik flip graphics. I mean, 54 mil wheels, gold wing trucks. He had the best switch front side flips and tray flips. I'm like, I don't want to get a box full of all these decks and stickers and, like, go shoot all these tricks like why wouldn't i want to do that so yeah. it wasn't even like i want to go do this you know but i definitely looked up to jeff and even tony i guess at the time though was a vet guy just skating and and then you're in america skating with jeff you know and ed templeton that was really the crew at the time i was a little grom yeah and then things began to take shape so what was your first um well so jeff raleigh hooked you up first with boards he got me flip stuff and then he invited me to america and, and honestly I probably, I couldn't frontside grind a mini ramp properly, you know what I mean? But I could switch kick with a tester. Yeah, you were what skating it, street. Be, like, like 15, switch backside 5 on down a handrail at a contest. Not really. But I couldn't, like, smith grind a mini ramp. <laughs> so it, it was fully, like, it's like I watched either Ethan Exposure and Fred Gall and those dudes, and I just loved all the switch stuff. 
And then, like, that's what I started trying to do. And then Jeff brought me over. And I think it was more to see, hey, is this guy going to be part of the team? Which I didn't know. Yeah. So then Jeremy Fox like, yeah, you know, I don't think it's going to work out when I was back in England. So I'm thinking, like, all right, well, do I really want... And this is, this is you know, I know you, you're sounding even philosophical in your questions. I mean, this is just for skateboarding. When kids say, how do I get sponsored? I remember getting that phone call, like, hey, this flip thing isn't going to work out. Because I had to go to England for three months. I could come back and go back for three months. I'd stayed with Jeff. And I obviously wasn't like any of those guys. I was just really two or three years in skating. And I just said, you know, this doesn't really matter. What matters is, do I love skateboarding? Am I going to do what I'm going to do anyway? And that's what I wanted to do. So I kept skating. And then Jeremy Klein, as I was in America, I'd shot a Switch 185 down a 10 there in Vista. And Jamie Thomas had an interview in the same magazine doing a Switch 185 down and El Camino Real Rails. And Klein... You know, when I came to America, I hung out with um, Reynolds and Willie and Klein. And Klein's like, what? They don't want this dude on the team? And he just called me up and said, I want you on the team. I want you on Birdhouse now. And Andrew's like, yeah, put the dude on. So I came back to here's where the East Coast comes in, an apartment with me, Andrew Reynolds, uh, Chad Barty, nice. uh, Jim Greco, and a guy, Mehmet Aydin from Germany, who was a ripper, and um, Ali Collins. And that was kind of like, now we're in Huntington. Now we have our crew. What are we doing? A couple hundred bucks a month as an amp for Birdhouse. And that's when it just, you know, that's when the focus kind of kicked in. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's funny because uh, Flip and Birdhouse were both under Blitz at that time, too. Yeah. So yeah. that's funny. It's like, yeah, they don't want them. Just fucking move them under Tony's wing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, Tony is so mellow. He's just like, oh, cool. You like this kid? And it was me. I'd just be playing skate with Willie and Andrew. And Klein was just the rebel. So he's like, He's thinking more like, okay, Jamie Thomas is a pro spotlight doing it. And this kid from Liverpool, his first ad ever for Airwalk is 325 all down the same rail. Like, and that's just because Klein's, you know, Klein's like, you know what I mean? He's got his own thing in an awesome way where he's like, that's rad. I'm down for that. And I think that's, and you know, I say to this day, I mean, praise God, because in a way, I owe so much to Klein and to Andrew and to Willie saying, hey, this dude's cool. Yeah. And we went around Europe in contests, which I skated and did a bunch of tricks. They obviously seen I could skate at the time. So Yeah, Klein, yeah. Klein's a funny one because uh, for the people listening, me and Brian both rode for Birdhouse. And I actually owe you a debt of gratitude because you let me live with you. I moved out from the East Coast to Huntington Beach and you just like took me in. You had your family and stuff and I was just like this <laughs> ghetto kid. You kind of you took on the position Steve Rodriguez did for me because like Steve Rodriguez was like a father figure and like took me in. You did the same and I So he's like the, he's like the grandpa and I'm the dad. Yeah, yeah. And I What's up Steve? I owe you guys gratitude but I owe you apology because I would come back bloody and sweaty and like sit on your couches and <laughs> Well, I've got three kids now, and that's what they do. And I'm actually I'm in the same house, and it looks very different, but this would have been the room where you got ice out the fridge and ate out of that closet. So, <laughs> no, so But yeah, you know what? That's skating. I mean, a little Grom comes out from the East Coast on the Seamus, and Nolly Crooks, you know, with the Brea 12 the first day off the flight, and it's like, this kid needs somewhere to stay. I mean, cool, you know, so. Yeah, you are. I, I don't think anything went missing, so you went that guy. <laughs> no, I, I never, I tried stealing once, Brian. I tried stealing when I was younger, and uh, I tried to steal, like, a Mountain Dew from a grocery store, 
And they fucking caught me, and I was running out of the store, and I, like, threw it. I didn't even get the soda. I just almost got caught. Just one time, that was it? Yeah, and then I was like, I'm never stealing. That's horrible. I don't want to be chased again. It shows how young you are, because in Mountain Dew, I mean, they didn't even have those when I was a kid. It was like... Horrible. Yeah, I stole a lot of stuff. I got caught, so... Yeah. You never got caught? I just would steal anything. I go in a store and steal those little troll dolls. I steal, like, figures. I'd open up micro machines and put my hands in and roll it up my sleeve and then I'd walk out of the store and not, you know, and, and I didn't like to do it, it was just like a high. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and for whatever reason, I just thought, this is wrong, I'm done with it, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is kind of fun, I will, I will not lie, I got adrenaline rush, but I just didn't want to get caught, I like stealing I mean, a soda. don't do it now, okay? <laughs> I am a pastor today, I'm not about stuff, so. so. So, to kind of digress again, to go back to Klein, yeah, to go back to Klein, I was going to ask you about Klein, like, yeah. He, he was always so angry, <laughs> but like in a good way. He was like super opinionated and kind of bossy and angry. But I think that's just that's just him, huh? In general. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think like if you could say go skate with someone today, yeah, one of the funnest people, you know, my top five people will be Klein. I mean, even recently, you know, he, I mean, he had some comments about somebody with the religious graphics, and I didn't even see what it was, but I know there's no way he's saying it in like a personal way. Yeah, you know. It's, it's skateboarding or get to be opinionated, man. I grew up literally, like I talked about Jeff. Jeff was in the hookups videos. I mean, he was around, I mean, Untitled, Feasters, Ravers, Klein, hookups videos. I mean, I, I mean, look at my hair. I mean, I could pretty much get the cut off and put my hand out and a couple nose blunts. So Klein was always, I'd say he's always been one of my top 10 favorite skaters for sure. Yeah. But with that comes this, he was a bit of an older pro, all this new stuff's going on. And he just had an opinion because, I mean, that's just what you do. I mean, but all his videos, you know, messing with Dan Rogers, messing with Willie, that's who he is. And it's yeah. not at all personal. And I mean, I love the guy. And now he's hanging out with Jim. I mean, I probably should hit them up and go slap you some kids or <laughs> do whatever they're doing. You know, I, I try and keep up to date with what they're doing. But I don't think he was like angry. I think he was just like, you know, F this, bleep, bleep, that, whatever. He just had an opinion about it. Yeah, I think and he's, like, a larger than life. He's kind of larger than life. He, like, commands the room. You walk in, and he's going to, like, either silence you or, like, something, you know? <laughs> and it's not like he's trying to, like, he's just being funny, you know? Yeah. Like, just, I mean, there's things that he does that, that I still think of, like, that just, they make me laugh all the time. So I think he's awesome, you know? And, and now he's doing all this hookup stuff and everything that's going on. I mean, that, that's skateboarding. He's out skating. I mean... Yeah. That's it. It keeps recreating itself. So yeah, I'm. Yeah. To be clear, I'm. I'm a huge fan of him because I realized that going in, I was like, people warned me. They're like, yeah, he's just like opinionated. He does whatever. And I was like, it became like part of his funny character that I was like, yeah, this guy's epic because he's not. He's an individual and he's not like conformist. He's kind of like outside the box. And you got to think who you are. I mean, you're this kid coming from the East Coast with a Boston hat. <laughs> He thinks it's related to Matt Damon or Ben Affleck. <laughs> that, that listens to, you know, severe rap. Yeah. And, like, he listens to the Cocteau Twins and, you know, has Japanese anime on his boards and just drink eat sugar. So I can relate to both of you in some ways, you know, but probably like, who's this kid? What's this kid about? And that's, that's you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Kids should go watch his old parts on YouTube because, man. Yeah, legend. I don't even remember, like, being interviewed and I said, man, kind of these sketchy ollies. And he thought I meant, like, really bad, and I meant, no, like, yeah. it was sketchy what you were ollieing, you know, like, he's ollieing the craziest stuff, so. Like, sketchy even to try, like, can't believe oh, you'd yeah, even I mean, try it. And dude, how much of Jim's 
whole kit is, I mean, everything he does is like growing up looking at Jeremy. Like 360, all these backside nose blood. I mean, those dudes just connected and it's good for both of them now, you know, so. Nowadays, especially I was watching Jim's stuff and it's like he's yeah. he's fully reverted back, which is awesome. I, I love all Jim's stuff and, and Jeremy. Yeah. I follow all of it so closely. Such skate rats. And it's so sick. It's inspiring all you guys. Like for yeah. me growing up being a few like a generation before you as far as skating goes and like watching yeah. you guys, you guys definitely carry on a torch that I admire very much for keeping skating in your life and being a part of it and pushing it and growing it. You guys crush it. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> How's uh so let's go through Birdhouse. So you're on Birdhouse, yeah. you're hanging out with these dudes, you got into that apartment. This is like yep. start is this when the formation of the piss drunks and all the wildness starts? You know, it's even earlier than that because and none of those dudes, I mean, none of those guys were even sponsored yet. I mean, Ellington or, you know, Shane Hale or Dustin. I mean, we were like a generation before that. This is when the end was coming out and it was over a million dollars. So I'm not even on the cover of the end. None of us are as ams. And, you know, this is this is literally a Tiba coming out from Colorado, hanging out with Andrew. Andrew doing Nolly 50-50s and Nolly nose slides on rails. I'd go there and switch nose sliders for 25-0. Nice. We were starting to skate. You know, I was getting into this Jamie Thomas stage where... You know, I just watched Welcome to Hell all the time. I had 56 millimeter wheels, and Andrew watched all of Tom Penny skating. I mean, his room had, you know, the switch crooks, the beanie, the front side flip, the cabalarial. So for me, it was more like we were starting to do our thing. Obviously, Andrew's way ahead of everyone at the time. And then it was me and Jim just wanted to skate handrails. So yeah. he would go and backside grind and back Smith, and I would go nose grind and front Smith, and then we'd start figuring. So that began to grow. We had the end come out, 411 blew up. I mean, you had Kirk and Ortiz and Josh Freebig, all these guys around us. We would go out with them, and we, and we were skate rats. I mean, Andrew had a red Civic. We would throw five of us in the car. We'd go meet with a T-Bat, someone would come film. Didn't make it to the next 411. Then it was a Wheels of Fortune. So this is literally like the skate, you know, skate Bible at the time was your 411. And there was Thrasher and Transwell, but for us, we're right here in Huntington. Yeah. That begins to build. Uh, Jamie does zero. Then you have Ali Bulala, who actually rolled for Flip, of course, but had lived with me for three months when I was riding for Flip. He came over, hung out with them, and he was partying a bit. Him and Jim connected, and that kind of triggered the whole Dustin was riding for stereo. He moved into our apartment, you know, when he was in town. Um, and that was it. It was like me, Andrew, uh, Jim. Jay Strickland, obviously, you know, um, Ali Khan's there at the time, Chad Vardy, and then Bulala and Dustin would be in. And bit by bit, you had, you know, the Long Beach crew of Montoya and all those guys that we were all friends with, Chad Fernandez and that. And then all these guys from kind of Arizona, out of style, like the Ellingtons and Scotty Copelmans, nice. Alyssa Steema. And this is what, so we go skate the Huntington Park, 20 of us, 30 of us. We go film, and this is what would happen. And I wasn't a citizen. They were starting Baker. I would skate all the time. They would skate all the time. We're all together. And I just never really, like, drank that much or never got stoned. And I just was, like, about to fall in love, you know, with my wife, Tracy. And I'm thinking, am I going to move up to L.A. and do what they're doing and be part of it? I wasn't – I was waiting to get a visa through Birdhouse. So that was the whole kind of, like, here's where we are. So it was – Wait, so you were about to get a visa? Like, so you didn't even know if you are going to be able to stay, really? No, because I'm staying here, and it's like, okay, it's five to $7,000 to get a visa, and I'm, in the meantime, you know, folding my ankle up vans, doing a melon grab, called up Tracy, who I just got to know a bit, hey, do you want to go hang out? 
Within four months, I'm about to go back to England and I'm falling in love with this girl. Jesus. Let's drive, let's drive out to Vegas and just commit to this. I'm all in, you know. I'm in the magazines. There's money coming in. I love America. Like, I love you. Let, let's do this. And so now I'm married. And I remember, like, we lived on Magnolia and it was Andrew's room. Jim would pretty much just live on the couch, you know what I mean? And then it was me. And just one day, me just moving out, and Jim just walking around going, he's moving out. This guy's moving. Like, he was just like, I'd live with him for five years. I mean, I feel like today, like, people, I just disappeared out of skating, so people don't know the background of that. But um, I'm even meant to meet with Dave Carney, too, to talk about the behind-the-scenes side of it, because I, I have a different point of view of all of that. Yeah. Because I wasn't hammered, stoned, and, like, you know what I mean? I love seeing all my friends and where they were, and I see the negative and the positive, but... That was a bit before the Zero Mystery, and then that took off. And then you had kind of the Jamie realm, and, you know, even what Shorties and Muska were doing. You had the Gale Chocolate guys, and then, of course, you always got the Black Label, Anti-Hero, and the more SF feel. Why do you kind of skating. Why do you think skating took off right, right then and there? Was it the actual people that were doing it, that were promoting it? Was it that you guys were just, like, in love with skating and promoting it, or was it... Do you mean in a sense of, like, um, for us or skating as a whole? Well, because, like, I feel like there was a moment where skateboarding kind of blew up and became epic where, like, I got tuned into it, which I was watching yeah. you guys. Yeah. So, so to me, I'm like, was it the attitude of the skaters and the fact that they were doing it all the time and pushing it and filming it and creating these skateboarding personas and personalities and videos and all this stuff and interviews? Or was it just skating was just, for whatever reason, caught on without that? Well, here's the thing, right? Um, Jeff Rowley, Tom Penny show up to America. It is very normal every weekend to go tray flip a 12 stair or switch kick flips and the Guido. Like, you just take Tom down to the spot. Yeah. They have been raised watching American skating, thinking what you see in the video is the standard. Yeah. And granted, with guys like Pat Duffy, you know, with guys like Jamie. So you have the Ed Templeton toy machine feel. You have Jamie and Muska. They were very much almost like, we want to be these guys. You had the whole Gale thing, you know, you can't touch guys like Mike Carroll and Costa and Rick Howard, it's just like legendary to yeah. me to this day, you know. So as this is going on, you got Tony Hawk, who's like a vert skater, what's he doing now? He's beginning to get this video game, it's going to go mainstream, the X Games, which everyone else is backing out of. So regardless of how people view it, it's, like you said, it's way more open today. And believe me, I'm not even this, I don't even think about skating this much anymore. My life's so different in many ways. Yeah. But the X Games blows up. Now, is Anthony going to watch it? Probably not, but you're going to hear about skating way more. Yeah. You're going to go find the end and watch it? Yes. And then is Welcome to Hell coming out? And then Muska's going to outdo it in shorties? Because, you know, Jamie and Muska, who's going to have the last part of Welcome to Hell? And then Ed was winning Munster and this very serious guy. Flip's doing what they're doing. And it was almost like all of it together. I mean, you know, you know where I'm from, Liverpool. I bet an anti-hero board would outsell every other board um, out of every, every company in the world in where I'm from. I mean, I grew up with guys who were 10, 15 years older than me, you know. I mean, even guys close to my age, like Howard Cook, you know, or, or those guys. It was all, they liked Andy Roy and Stranger and the more thrashing and slashing. So I had that. Then I had Jeff, who to me is still one of the best skateboarders of all time. And then I had this even more old school Z-Boys crew that were all riding for Z-Boys years ago. So then I come to America. I'm answering your question with this. You've got a Tiva, you've got 4-1. We went out all, I mean, I skated six hours a day. Mm -hmm. I was going out so I could shoot two or three photos a month at least that I was pushing myself. It became a machine. It wasn't just like, hey, we're skating. 
it was still, you know, its core thing, but it became so serious. I'm yeah. doing this interview in three months. We've got to go. I'm doing this video in the next year. We've got to go. And so I think that the magazines knew what they were working with. Thrasher, Threat Transworld, they're working on it. It's got the six month, three month deadlines. You've got the videos. Yeah. And it just is hitting all together. And, and, and I mean, to give you guys an encouragement, I mean, look at what Dan Wolf and all, and Steve would, you know, and, and I mean, guys like Susky and yourself, there was an East Coast feel. I mean, look back to Peter BC and, Damn. you know, the late Harold Hunter. I mean, guys like to me, you watching Robbie and Jemmy in that part with Buster Rhymes. So good. I mean, that is crazy skateboarding. I mean, I watched Quim and the way he would skate switch. I mean, you bring up Matt Reason, Ricky, all those dudes. I mean, Dan Wolf, I'm sure he's got a couple of awards, but he deserves those things shaped a bunch of groms like me in England. Yeah. That that I love the big flying down gap stuff, but there was just something about the Sub Zero and you know Donnie and all those guys as well. So it's something about the rawness and just being in a city and pushing around and like I don't know, it was unfinished, but it was so cool, man. Um, I know. It's yeah. almost sad that kids don't move at this pace now, where they get to see the Sub Zero video came out, the Flip video came out. What did girl and chocolate do you know i mean hang out with richard mulder almost every day now and it's funny just looking back to the switch heel fakie manny's and what it meant when it came out yeah those guys you know it's people are robbed of it in a sense we got to be in skating in a blessed time so yeah i feel like the i don't know i feel like the days of like the mega star skateboarder is kind of done to some degree because it's so democratized now with social media and everyone being able to post content new stuff coming out all the time it seems like the days of like the Muska or where, because it was just tapes and magazines and you'd only get little hits of the Muska or whoever, you know? Four months to six to six months. I mean, I would play that thing on repeat. Even right. when I go places, people talk about the audio video and they're like, damn, so I good. Watch, I watch that video every day and I'm thinking like, I never want to watch my skate. <laughs> but like those kids probably had that video and whatever grandma got you and sent you in the mail, that's who all your favorite skaters are going to be for the next year. Yeah, you guys. But now I go on YouTube and I'm like, I don't know who this kid is, but he just did the scariest trick I've ever seen. I, don't even know, I still don't know his name. So. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> so strange. It's so strange because the media was so controlled in skateboarding that it could yeah. like make stars. The media could, the magazines and the stuff oh, could yeah, make yeah. stars. And I mean, to some degree, websites still kind of do that. Like, there's the Ride Channel and Thrasher and certain things. But yeah. now it's like there's so much, so many people skateboarding, so di many different expressions and crews and all this stuff that like everyone's figuring out a way to promote it. The megastar, I don't yeah. know, I don't know if we'll see the megastar ever again. <laughs> well, I think if you had like a Tampa Pro and you allowed five unknown kids to enter it. Yeah. To 10. I mean, the finals is a possibility. They probably could win it. Yeah. And I mean, I was hanging out, you know, I skate with Leo Romero a lot. And we, were, we were skating the other day, and he's just talking about how, what are you gauging what's relevant anymore on? Is it the amount of likes you have, you know, on Instagram because your video came up, so every kid just followed you? Or is it based on the legacy you have, like a guy like, I mean, look at all that Leo's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all these guys that they've sewed into, so... But that's life. I mean, things just change, you know. It moves so fast. Yeah. And I joke, I mean, I say to people, I'm glad I was pro. Because today, I would hate to think that I'm dreaming of becoming a professional. And I'm watching Shane O'Neill and all these tricks left front blunt down a handrail. Just to, to win the best trick, you know. Or switch tickle back to the nose blunt. So, so discouraging. <laughs> like, God so, damn. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's strange, man. For me, it's like... 
with skating, it's like a long, you should have long-term aspirations. You should want to be, aspire to be that 60-year-old dude skating, you know? So, like, whenever I wanted to get sponsored, my goal was, like, I want to get sponsored so I can keep skating more, so I could do it more, so I could live it. Yeah, practical. Yeah, like, I I was like, I really love skating. I want to try to, like, do the heights, reach the heights, have fun doing it, maybe travel, see the world. Like, I wanted to enjoy it and just hit the heights. And, uh... You know, that doesn't go away. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I still, I'm 34 now, and I'm still skating, and still, go- I'm like, <laughs> dude, even if I can't physically do it, I still need to, like, be involved. You stay away from the big stairs, then you're fine. Yeah, I'm, I've gotten smarter as i gotten older. I'm like, all right, just mellow out a bit. But, you know, when you have, like, a good session, and you get super stretched out, and you're like, oh, man, I tried that trick, like, two years ago. Time to go try it again. Like, here comes that battle. I still have that fight in me, you know? Do you... I, I beat a kid at skate the other day. Nice! And we were skating, and he's like, hey, you want to play skate? I know, I'm probably, what, 10 pounds at least, way heavier, told different look, and I'm sure he has no clue anything about my past. And then as I'm skating, this repetition of tricks of, like, I'm going to smith this, nose grind it, nose blunt it, salad grind it, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm skating with that same kind of, like, not to beat the kid, I don't care, you know, but I'm like, but then I won, and he's like, <laughs> I think he was like, okay, but he didn't ask me to play skate again, because <laughs> so, his old guy with his kid in the skate park, you know. He thought he had you, he was praying yeah. on you. He's like, who am I going to pick? Well, that dude with a full voice. <laughs> I love salad, so you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I love I love games of skate. I the only rule I have though is like when someone challenges me, or well, I have two rules. They challenge me to a game of skate, which happens, and I go, I'll play, but we have to play a gentleman's game where we yeah. st- we start with ollies and go through all the one eighties until we get to fakey nollie switch. Then we'll get to flip tricks. Like let's be a gentleman about this. And then my other rule is, if you challenge me, that means I go first, and vice versa. You know, like if I come up yeah. to you and I'm like, let's play. You're so like, you, you want to handicap? I just want to be a gentleman. I want to be a gentleman. If someone, if Sumner, if I saw you and I was like, that's it, it's fucking on, dude. Me and you are playing. It'd only be right that you went first because I'm aggressive. You know. <laughs> Anyone who challenges me is desperate to win. So. <laughs> I doubt it, dude. I've seen your skating. I guarantee you still got the flat ground on lock, dude. Nolly flips still work good. Nice. Don't, if you tray flip or hard flip, I'm done. Oh, shh. I have the bad tray flip for bad hard A lot of people listen to this. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. (laughs) (laughs) So then, I mean, that's it, I guess. I'm skating, and that's everything I was doing. And then you guys are over here. I mean, Seamus and that. And then even where you guys are today, it seems like skating is in such a different world. I mean... Yeah. I wouldn't even know what to tell someone, you know? Yeah, today, today, as far as giving kids inspiration, I just say focus on getting good at skateboarding. Yeah. Focus on uh, being part of communities, being a part of a, like um, skate shop, skate park, help skateboarding. Skateboarding, if you give to skateboarding, you'll receive, you know? Because like, yeah. if you help someone to enjoy skateboarding, they're going to look yeah. up to you for that. Especially yeah. out on the East Coast because it is still like, there's only so many places you can skate. Yeah, you got to be part of that crew with the rain and stuff. So yeah, it gets a weird. It's really awesome on the East Coast because we're forced to interact in the winters because there's only like a yeah. couple big parks where everyone goes like a to. Barn or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone just like, ends up, and you're like, all right, so like this, I wouldn't normally hang out with this dude, but now we're best friends because like we're in here. Now you have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. <laughs> 
it's awesome because it it makes you interact with so many characters, and it makes me yeah. I'm like weird as hell, you know. So I'm glad people yeah. interact with me. <laughs> so let's let's get back to um, travel. Let's get back to yeah. birdhouse skating. What about your first pro model board? How, do you remember how how did that go? Oh, down? I do exactly. I nice. Mean, you know, I don't know. Certain things that my memories are so perfect. Like this is when I'm, you know, pretty much courting Tracy. Like we're together. I don't know if we married yet. Do you mind if I ask oh. how you guys met? Sorry to cut you off. Oh, how we met? Yeah, we met um, because at the time when I was living with Jeff and Tom and all the flip guys, just staying in their apartment, and um, there was a girl at Ed Templeton was trying to set me up with probably more Deanna because they would all go out. You know, it was like Mike V and his wife. Uh, Jeff and his girlfriend, Chrissy, some other people, and there was a girl that was coming over to hang out with me, which I didn't even care about, and my wife drove her over and dropped her off. So there was some girl called Tracy dropped her off, and I kind of seen her, but she had a boyfriend in Jersey, or in Princeton, she was going out to Princeton to live with this guy, a big whole straight edge thing, you know, because they know Gadotti, she knows Gadotti, and all these dudes from way back, I mean, Hell yeah. and, she knew, and she knew like, you know, Keith Uffnagel and Keenan and all this stuff from HB, because she was around. And went to school with Justin Regan and those all those guys, Jimmy. So I don't know her yet. And then Jeff's girlfriend works at Mother's, the healthy place across the road. So I keep seeing her. We keep talking. She isn't with her boyfriend. She's a bit older than me. And like I said, Jeff's setting it all up. You know, why don't you call Brian? Why hang out Brian? And she's like, doesn't want to get involved with anything. She's just figuring out. I call her. We connect. Start hanging out. And then it was like. Then all we did was hang out with Jeff and Chrissy, I mean, Ed and Deanna, the whole crew, because, you know, they were all vegans, and they were all, like, healthy, and they were all love animals, and it was like, so I was just part of, okay, this is it, and then we're, like, married, and <laughs> pregnant, like, pretty much when we went to Vegas, I'm sure. Wow. And, then, um, and it was, like, you know, $490 to get a wedding license, we got married, the pastor read a verse in the Bible I'd never even heard, and I'm crying, we're married, no one knows, we've told no one, because our family's... Italian and Mexican, so I will die. So I'll just be attached to the mafia. Um, now we're ma- married and pregnant, and obviously, <laughs> ten months later, the color shows up, and then it just you know it changed so much. It was like you're humbled, and then it was like skating. The direction of it changed. What was the, f- the point of it? And I feel like in be- many ways, my life has been more directed about me as a dad and what's right for my family. Um, later in life, obviously, than at the beginning, we just. We had the hard times, you know, because you were committed so hard for two years. And in a, in a marriage, you always begin to see each other's faults and struggles and me traveling. So that all led to, you know, our separating. And that's really when my life took a lot of different changes. And I said, what is life about? So I know you know a lot more of that, but I mean, it, it seems awesome. I'd go on Tony Hawk tours and then Trey would go bring the baby, everyone with Birdhouse. I mean, being in there all the time and around. You know, Klein or Mike or Vanessa people, they were just, they were always there and catered to me as a guy who was young with a kid and, and a wife even. So, yeah. it, which was, you know, back then it wasn't that common, you know, because I was the first dude around us all to even have a kid really. Yeah, so, you like took the big step. They're like, whoa, <laughs> he's jumping. <laughs> dude, and he's, he's 16 right now and he's like, drives our car. Dakota? Oh man, he's tall. I mean, he's shred skating, shred surfing. I mean, damn. Jiu jitsu. I mean, he's like, he's. He's, got, he's a cool kid. <laughs> That's so sick. Um, I was when you were talking about relationships and moving yeah. forward. Like I've been engaged for a long time. Like we're not married. Yeah. Me and my lady aren't married, but yeah, we love each other, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I noticed the longer you're with people, like especially the relationship of a male and a female, is like 
you get to know each other, and then you have to allow each other space to grow and change and get to know each other again. Like, when you're with someone for so much time, an extended yeah. amount of time, it's like, it's hard. Sometimes we hold each other back and don't allow each other to grow, and, yeah. you know, we put each other in a corner because we're just around each other, and you're like, you said that, this, and that, and then it's just... So, like, I've learned that, like, okay, sometimes you have to... You have so to. Isn't just, isn't just skateboarding. It's almost like agony and Anthony hours. Sometimes <laughs> you get to get into like. <laughs> I've just realized, like, I you go. We got to be easier on each other and ourselves. Like more than importantly, we have to be really easy on ourselves because, like, I don't know, a lot of yeah. our inner narratives destroy ourselves. You know, like yeah. it's gnarly. <laughs> well, I mean, and I just say this, you know, based on that, you were raised thinking what relationship, what marriage, what love, what romance, what sex is all about. So you watch any movie, you listen to rap. You listen to the Beatles, you listen to anything, you think for yourself, you have an idea, and you meet this person, and, and I'll use myself for example, I meet Tracy, I'm making money, I don't want you to go to work all the time, I want you to stay up all night with me, I want you to go on all these skate trips. If we stayed in that state for the rest of our life, where you never worked, and you stayed up all night on skate trips, life would never make sense. Yeah. Just like we're talking right now, it's been some time, so it's all motivating, but if you and I spend two hours on the internet tomorrow... Eventually, you're like, all right, man, I got to go. Now, here's the difference in a relationship. You, you love that person, you pursue that person, but we don't even really get what the relationship's for. You know what I mean? I'm saying, like, to love someone, I know, obviously, as a believer, you guys know that. Me, Mary, and Tracy, like, we're one. She's going to drive me crazier than anyone else will. Well, I can find romance anywhere. I can fall in love anywhere. I can go be physical anywhere. But if this is my wife, I'm going to see all my faults, the things I'm honest with, and then the thing is, like you're saying, what are we growing together for? And I, and I didn't mean to do this on purpose, but I, I went for the table. But, I mean, nice. that's, a book, that's a book I wrote on marriage with the idea that, dude, for the church even, people don't even look at relationship in a way like, like you're getting it. You need to grow. I mean, it is hard. I mean, and I, and I tell people, you know, would you marry yourself? And they kind of like laugh. And I'm like, you wouldn't because you're just as nuts as you think they are. You know what I mean? I mean, so, so remember that. Like, write it on your fridge. Like, yeah, I wouldn't marry myself. Give that person the grace because, you know, they're going to blow it. But the long term is, are they making the effort? And then, dude, you got, you know, when people aren't faithful, when they are willing to lie, when they got the rest of the world's motives, that just changes everything. People are afraid to get married today because it's, it's a contract. Yeah. We're legally bound to this house. And, it, and I get why culture is the way it is. So Yeah. Two things. because we did go through it. Yeah. Two things. One, Kanye might marry himself. That's fair to say. And then, said that? No, I don't. He called himself God all the time. So I imagine he might marry himself. <laughs> and then <Yeah>. two... <laughs> and then two is like... Yeah, like you're saying, when you, when you have a marriage between opposites, like male-female, to have a union, you have to actually make it work. It has to be like... You have to get... Cause that's the thing about us is we're opposites. The opposite attracts, you know? And everyone's an opposite, though. Like, you're not that person. And yeah. you'll tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to do this tomorrow. And you go, oh, I didn't. But then when the person says, Anthony, I think it should be like this. And then they go back. You're like, but you said this. And, and to me, obviously, knowing where I stand, it's just an evidence of the world we live in. I mean, it's beautiful. It's sunny. You know, you got to do cool things today. We can skate. But there's still... It, not everything's perfect. Yeah. And until you... Like, like, I look at Tracy and go, she's going to drive me crazy. But I'm gonna drive her crazy. I'm choosing to love her. And I think it was that I think it was not to quote intentionally, but Billy Graham's wife when they said, "Do you ever think about divorcing Billy?" and she said, "No." But I think about murdering him every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, 
And I think it was I think it was Ruth Graham, but that's the reality. Like, dude, there's a time of the month. There's a time when Anthony's stressed. There's a time when things don't make sense. And if you're not really there, the point is maybe it's not real love. Like, love is a commitment that says I'm gonna treat you with the best integrity I can, and when it's bad, I'm believing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm committed to this. And I mean, you know, we were divorced, remarried. It's a way different commitment for me now to say I'm committed to this woman regardless than it was back then. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love this type of stuff. <laughs> you know this, Brian. Dude, when I, live, when I lived with you, we'd have talks for hours, man, and hours. Like, both me and you, I don't know, we, we hit on a level that I really enjoy, and you've always shared, yeah. you've always shared a lot. What, what, where's that come from? <laughs> it's funny, because even when you started talking earlier, I'm like, you're sounding way more philosophical. <laughs> and I didn't realize this. Dude, just the other day, I'm walking down, you know, our alley, and people said, why did there's so much philosophy and it might be because I grew up liking Bruce Lee but it was actually because I read so many of his books yeah and so the philosophy there was to think through everything you know like so even in skating I mean look at the stuff I did like I did the grind movie which I've never seen <laughs> I supported a hair care thing because I was down for the guy and said I'm gonna honor this guy who cares what skating thinks and I think that comes back from this idea of Bruce saying because when I was a kid I was scared to enter contests and Bruce had a quote, and I'm sure you've heard it, where he said, freedom discovers man the moment he loses the concern over the impression he's making or about to make. So what it means is there's me going to London to skate a contest. I love skating. I love all these people. What am I so afraid of that I'm going to get beat or that I'm going to lose or that what's going to happen? And I guess that allowed me just to be like, you go, if you're not, I'd rather be open with someone and know where you are then just, it's all a game, you know what I mean? Yeah. Silence almost lie. And, I'm, and the reality is, since going through all my hard times, as you know, a 20-year-old guy, I want to be an open book people because I know what everyone's going through. Things happened to them when they were kids, things that happened, issues of the heart, I mean, marriage, pain, hate, just insecurities in life. So if I can be there, like, and the thing is, all these, these people in the industry that I know, it gets to be close enough where... Still today, I connect with so many people in random ways where they just want to call and just talk about everything. It's got nothing. And, you know, I'm a safe place because I'm not, I'm not tied to the industry. I'm not, like, trying to do this. I'm not seeing who's in the magazine. It's like I'm going to be there when these dudes are 45, 50, struggling or having the best life. But I just want to talk with someone about some of this crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's – and because the other thing is you know, the people I sit with now – are about to blow their brains out or suicidal or been divorced or cutting. So it's very different to see just how fragile humanity is. And yeah. to say, Dude, we, it looks pretty on the outside, but we are jacked. You know what I mean? You take away someone's sponsor, you take away someone's status, you take away someone's legendary, yeah. and then they, they begin to see who they are. A lot of guys have been humble the last 10, 15 years, I think, yeah. from what I see from the outside, which is a good thing. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like... um. Yeah, I, I I don't know. When I I dealt with like losing my father at thirteen, yeah, and that I remember. that trauma, that trauma, and that kind of like shook me out of uh, I don't maybe apathy is that the right word? I'm not yeah. sure. It woke me up yeah. to the frailty of life. It scared me, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I see the same in you, and that's why I was yeah. kind of wondering how it got because you had like a realness to you and understanding that you know because you had you were in a blessed situation with all those things and. You didn't take yeah. them for granted, and you were still searching and working. Like, you were thinking long-term, yeah. and family, and union. Like, what turned you on to that? Like, what was that? Is that just in you, or? 
I think, my, you know what? My dad just, dude, he wasn't a lazy man. He was just set his course. And then my mom just did what she did. Like, and they were together for 44 years. Gnarly. But, you know, even even for my mom, I mean, we were pregnant with our fourth child. My wife was four and a half months along. And she miscarried, which was crazy because she pretty much had the baby sitting inside of her for, you know, two weeks. <laughs> I'm driving, putting my hand on her stomach. And we don't want to, you know, we're waiting for this to pass. My mom dies of cancer. And that was the first time, you know, someone, a parent for me. So even for what you went through. And the reality is... I go preach and teach a lot of people. I had kids this week. You know, my mom died at this age. Why does this happen? Why does God allow it? And it's and here's the sad reality. Like, the only thing that's sure for any of us is that in this life, we know we're going to die and we don't know the circumstance. Like, I asked my son today, what is time? You know, we're talking about what he does with it. And time is from the moment you're born until you die. It's what you measure your life. Yeah. So, like, for your dad, we know we live in a world where people will pass I want to live in it. I want to be intentional. I want to redeem the time. I want to do what's right. And I definitely, you know, I know Christians come across as everyone's preaching or opinionated, but I'm like, I want to be here for people because this table is going to be gone. This wall is going to be gone. I know people are going to be gone, but I believe people are eternal. You know, like that's where my faith lands us. So if I can just be there, let someone throw out and spew out all their stuff that normally it's a medication that, you know, helps us deal with it or another woman or another achievement. I just try and get to that place, and that's honestly, that's the best place to be, where you can be like, here's what I've been through, because, but I do get the apathy, I've had people do crazy stuff to me, and it almost caused me to want to switch off my emotions, and then you're just not open to like, you just, you can't let yourself step into it again, because it's there, and yeah. when my mom passed, I mean, I feel like I just had crazy peace, because it was two years of struggling with cancer, so that whole season for me was like, I believe she graduated life, I believe she went on. I'm not the one who put her here. I'm not the one that allowed her to be taken. So I got to, and I don't mean to be overly spiritual, where it's just like we float off and stuff. I mean, I believe there's a plan. So I'm like, okay, this is where Norma Jean, you know, my mom's name, she is. So Yeah, I like yeah. that. I, I like that. I like when yeah. you say the eternal. Eternal sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not... I'm very aware, though, that, like, I, I don't know. I like the idea of thinking that this could be the only, the, the one moment to do something. Does that, like, to make an impact or to live a beautiful life? Like, to see the value in the moment? All right. Yeah. So, so, like, I like the idea of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Living for now in the moment. Yeah, like, living in the yeah. moment. Because I, I, it's a weird concept, but I like it because... A lot of people are so worried about their past or their future that they never actually make momentum in the now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of like that idea. Um, I don't know if that's a spiritual idea or what it just a. I don't. Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, I just took the kids to see a movie the other day, and when we go by the the Starbucks or the Borders here, for like ten years, there's been a group of guys who you know ex-military. And they sit outside the Starbucks every day and they just smoke cigars and they've got all the military gear and everything. I'm like, I'm all for that. Yeah. But there's some of them are like probably 55, 60. And, I, and as I just think about it, I'm like, because they got to serve in the military, it's almost like now that's still their identity. Yeah. So what could they continue to be doing? And I mean, I'm all for what they're doing, but I'm like the extent, you know, the whole place smells like cigars and they're sitting there and I get the war stories and we honor them. You know what I mean? They, they gave their lives. I mean, that's that's honorable to go and die for something you believe in. But it's almost like you can't look back. I mean, if I was sitting here today trying to qualify who Brian Sumner is based on Liverpool, based on my skate career, 
that's just not life. And even biblically, I mean, Paul says, I don't look behind, I look forward. So it's like, what is before you? And to go back to your point, this is our one shot. I mean, evil can evil. I know he was quoting someone else, but he said, you know, pain's temporary, but glory lasts forever. And so he's saying, you know, and when you're going to break as many bones as he did, I get why he thinks that. But he's saying, you've got to make this glorious moment now. And of course, we know, we don't remember thousands of years ago, really, the majority of people that lived. We might have some historical documents. But I'd say, while you're here, you've got to make an impact. You've got to live for something. Because yeah. if not, you know, you're just, you're just a rat part of the rat race. And obviously, as a guy with faith, I believe every moment's important. But I believe our lives, our days are numbered. Like Anthony's going to get this certain amount of time. And a guy of faith, I go, at the end of my life as a Christian, believing in for God, he isn't going to go, man, you kickflip grinded this or you Sally grinded that. So what's the difference? And the only thing that really is going to matter, I mean, your skating mattered because you got to share it with other people as well. When you make that trick, I know you have a feeling and emotion when you do the actual trick, but there's something about rolling away that's like, I'm a part of this community. Like, my video is coming out. This is who my identity is. If no one ever cared, I get you might be off there doing it. But life's about those emotions and interactions. Even the people that say, I want everyone's love, or the people who have been hurt and say, I don't want anyone's love. We're put here to connect. It's why even those without faith say it's wrong to kill children, or it's wrong to do this, or all the things, you know, everyone's throwing rocks at Trump, or whether it was Hillary, whatever they're doing. There's a whole of that, you know, <laughs> that's a whole of the world. So. Dude. <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned that. <laughs> but it's all right. It's all right. I have thoughts. I have, it's terrifying because, you know, my story, like, I, politics never affected my family. Yeah, my, my family yeah. was like drug, drug addicts, yeah. drug dealers. Then my father was in a motorcycle gang. Like, yeah. politics and arguing over money and resources yeah. when you're coming from that situation, you know, like, my thing about politics is like, I don't even, like, I don't vote for the president or anything, but, like, I don't even, like, what, what, why? Like, both options to me were terrifying, you know what I mean? And I don't know enough on either or, so, like... <laughs> well, I know there's some kids who are watching this who probably read, you know, Infowars, or they're all about oh, conspiracy. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think there's any way that someone is waiting for Anthony Shetler or Brian Sumner to vote Hillary or Donald. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think that those who are worth a lot of money and who have been running the systems for years are absolutely in control. I mean, there's no way they don't know what the pyramids are about. There's no way... It's just, it's just you know, we are sheep in that sense. Yeah. So, it matters to a degree in the way we live our lives and what we're about, but do we have control of it? And this is towards the first election that got really crazy because now, dude, we're in a weird place. It's like all these women hating men to justify being a woman. Yeah. Like, what are you going to tell your son if you're raising a, a boy? Like, what did that those people do to you? And you go back to even the whole slavery idea. I'm like, yeah, everyone that ever had slaves was a total kook. Yeah. We don't think it was good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I just we moved past it. <laughs> We we did, and I think the more, and this is why I'm saying the politics and, and the media does, is they go, man, Anthony Shetler's so poorly done to. And then everyone's like, let's get around Anthony. And man, then Brian, and it's like, it's the whole Marxist idea that came from years ago. It's just replaced. Yeah. So it's it's baiting and switching again and again, and now we're all, whatever, skateboarding. No, <laughs> but it's a, it's, a, it's a game. It's a system. It's like people that have power don't let go of power. Like they just grow, oh, yeah. they grow old. Drug. They grow old with their power, and then they just hand it off to someone who has the same influence and power and agenda. You know, so it's like, 
I don't know. My brother had me off in the middle of Boston in a Trump rally. Uh, I filmed the whole thing. It was pretty fun. But I was neutral. I didn't really, like, I didn't like Trump. But how radical were people? Okay. <laughs> people were so radical about what he was saying. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't even think people are listening to anyone. I've watched these videos online and people are, people didn't vote. They were so mad. And I'm like, I think whichever way you go, there's going to be consequences, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. How was the Trump rally, though? People were getting smashing stuff and. No, this know, one, like, this one actually surprisingly was, like, amazing. It was, like, everyone was just kind of dancing down the city, like, through the city slow and, like, just yelling stuff that was obvious, like, no Trump, no KKK. I was like, I was like. Well, maybe no Trump. I don't know. No KK for sure. That's a definite no, right? Like, and then they were like, had these slogans and they were kind of like, equal rights, like, do, do, do. And it was like, yeah, I agree with all this. Like, it was an exercise of people just stating things that we should naturally have, you know? Like, yeah. I think they're just. But the sad thing is, in all these things, whichever people do, is they're not really making statements that matter. Like, they don't really know what is going on. You know what I mean? To the yeah. extent that they're making the plate. Like, if I was, say I was for Trump, I'd go, okay, the dude made all these promises. Go into lower-class neighborhoods. Go support the black community that you say you will. Are you really doing this to the Hispanic community? I mean, I, I watched a video where a lady said 11 million illegals, and it was Trey Gowdy or someone, I don't even know who he is, but he's crazy. He's uh -huh. You know, he's funny, and he just said, look, there's not 11 million illegals, there's probably more. Yeah. But any one of those people that wants to come forward and become an American citizen, they can. But they've chosen not to. And this is my wife, my, my wife's half Mexican and Italian. Yeah. My kids are Mexican. I came here, and there was a wall. I had to, like, go through the system. Yeah. So what he's saying is, you can't say 11 million. You can't say 30 million. These people are invited. And I get what he's saying, but if you walk around talking about that, not me, I mean, but Trump, because he had to. It sounds like he's attacking, and then the other side's going to jump on it. I mean, the dude has more women working for him than the other side had. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm not for either or. I'm just a guy who's like, obviously with my faith, I stand for what the Bible teaches on things like birth and, you know, all the rest of that stuff. But it's just, um, my role is just to love on people and let the word speak, and that's it. But, and here's the, here's the final thought on that. We all want to live in like the 60s and 70s. We all want to be significant. You know, we got our bandanas in and our flared pants, listen to the Grateful Dead, Led Zeppelin. Sick. They were protesting for things that mattered. Now we think writing something crazy on a sign and shouting it and drawing, you know, body parts and screwing this person and that person. We think that's the same thing. Like it's not. Yeah. Most of those people, if you ask them any of the things they're talking about, they haven't even read about it really. And it's, and it's like there's more hate there than the people you say you're hating. So... As a pastor, I'm just like, hey, let's just stay focused on what's important. I've never met a Christian who has been opposed to people for any other than reasons. And I'd say they were dumb and racist to have a problem with anyone like that. And I believe KKSA is the stupidest thing ever. The fact that they would ever even hold up a cross. Yeah. I mean, for one, in the Hebrew, man probably wasn't any of the colors we see. It's possible man being raised from the dead would have been an off color of red, like a dark. And the fact that, like, as a Christian, what do you... You know what I mean? I don't know why we're all the different shades we are, yeah. but I'm not white. I mean, you look at your skin, you're not white. No, the yeah. It's not black. We're just all off shades of whatever. Get over it, you know? So, yeah. When, you yeah. know, when it's skating, we love everyone. I mean, I don't care if it's black, white, I mean, Chinese, whatever colors I'm allowed or not allowed to say. Yeah. Just, just get on with it. You know, you're hating, you're a kook, you know? You, you could bring so. everything down to the level of just, like, anything that breathes, you know? Like... <sighs> 
You each have a breath. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. same. And, and I don't feel, you know, it, whatever, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, um, <clears throat> but I don't really I don't really follow politics. I just hear a lot of it, and uh, I take it in, and I try to think about it. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I try to listen to all sides of an argument and when I do. But, uh, yeah, it's such a crazy world right now. It kind of makes me think, like, most people don't know what's true or how to stick to what's true. You know what I mean? Because there's so much fucking... Everyone has yeah. a voice. Everyone can say whatever. There's no... Well, truth is changing. There's no absolute. So I remember when I came to faith, and, and to go back to one of your first questions, dude, I was divorced from Tracy. I was overliving. I said, I'm going to figure out what is real. Yeah. Buddha, Buddha went and meditated, sat under a tree, left his family, and he didn't answer a lot of questions. And I'm not trying to give you know the gospel spiel right here, but I'm saying... I went back to truth, what matters, what is relevant. Yeah. Those things affected me and changed my life. And like people are running around just changing what truth is. Is it a gender issue? Is it a homosexual issue? A lesbian issue? Is it a black-white issue? I mean, what are we basing this on? Yeah. If it's just my idea, then Hitler was never wrong, which he is absolutely the worst dude that could have been. Yeah. I mean, he thought it was right to do that. That's his version of truth. So yeah. that can't be the standard. Yeah. What people did to slaves... It, I mean, it's disgusting. You know what I mean? It, it is the, just, I'm more offended than anyone else could be. I mean, as a white guy, supposedly, but what's your standard of truth? And if we don't look outside of ourselves to find the standard of truth for the one who claims he has it, then we're going to keep doing this. And then that's the only difference where it comes down to, you know, is that the reality for some? So, I mean, for all, but I mean, for those who step into that and say, and we've had those conversations before. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it's like any dude in the road, I go, look, man, the presence of God showed up in my life in this house in 2004 and changed me. Look at my skate career. I was this dude, and then I was this dude. That's it. It was switched. That's the evidence. Happened to me like the Bible says. I'm going to follow that. And I believe at the end of the day, we're all going to be standing before God, and I want people to know him and know that in this crazy world, there is a truth. So Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> well, well, is this easy? If you're in the road with me right now, my kid runs out in the road and the car comes and we know he's going to hit my son. Yeah. If I didn't run out there and push him out the way, even taking the car on my back, you would say I'm a bad dad. You yourself would probably dive in the way for Dakota, Eden, or Jude. Yeah. That's what the cross is. The church has done really crazy stuff. The Catholic church has done, you know, I've got a lot of Catholic friends I love, but many world religions do very radical and crazy stuff. But yeah. to me, when I read myself, I know I'm going to die. I know that a bunch of bad stuff. The evidence that I've done bad stuff is because we're going to die. Yeah. You already know this. So Jesus ran out in the road, pushed me out the way, and took it on full force. But it was a cross. That's the gospel. It starts with that. Everyone's going to keep hurting each other and being opposed to each other until they ask Dad in heaven, what is, what is going on? What are we doing here? And it's so mimic now. It's like a game, you know? So yeah. you can't even talk about this stuff because you supposedly hate everyone. I'm like, I don't hate anyone. Like, I'm yeah. around crazy people that most people would hate, and I love them. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> there's some people that you'd be afraid of. So. Well, I can I can relate because, like, like, I've always liked religion. I'm not religious in the sense that yeah. I, pr I don't practice it by going in, like, to a church and stuff. I do go to a church, like, once a year with my lady to check out the Christmas lights and see all the cool stuff and art that, in, that uh, 
churches produce. And I, like Home Alone style? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, uh, I enjoy it. Like, I've always loved church and there's like a lot of positive people and they talk, they tackle subjects and have de- yeah. deep conversations and like, I love it. But, um, my, the thing that, I have great gratitude for because I because you know losing losing life it gives like yeah, yeah. great it gives you that like um experience of like whoa life is fragile like yeah we have to be here you know so that that came to me from losing someone but then I yeah. started gravitating towards religion after that because yeah. it's similar messages you know people are like talking about loss and Jesus sacrificing yeah. sacrificing was like a big thing that. Is like that I learned from church, you know. Things yeah. that I learned from it—it's pretty awesome. My father. Well, here's here's a, a, a fact. Even just that thought. All man-made religion will always make it so you have to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice to get to God. Yeah. So whether it's you know all these layers of heaven, or we do enough good deeds, or it's karma. But the difference with the gospel is that I didn't do anything. I don't deserve it. I'm playing in the role with Anthony. I don't want to listen to Dad. It's all about me. Yeah. And Jesus Himself said, "I'm gonna go do it." Because if you and me can do it, we're God. We can boast. You know, I'm good enough. I got enough glory. I'm Mahatma Gandhi. I'm you know, Nelson Mandela. We're all sinful men. We're all gonna die. Only God can redeem us, and that's the difference. That I was like, if this is real, I need to know. Because if it's not, you're all crazy. And the other thing is. Christians are going to be the biggest hypocrites. The difference is that we know it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm going to lie to you. I, I, I never, my goal is to never lie or hook up with someone's wife or lie on my taxes or something. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that makes me righteous. It's Christ's blood. But I know who I am. I know who you are. I know as a fallen man, man, I think he's going to let me down at times. Yeah. That's God's grace. I, I just need to be there and be loving. If someone's ripping you off, taking advantage, don't be around that person and deal with it. But I'm saying that to say, even after becoming a Christian, you're still going to struggle, and I can't do enough. It's all what God did, and that just means, why am I here then? To connect with people. There could be guys watching this that are like already suicidal, don't want to live, hate their life, and it could just be encouraging to them, where it's like, man, there's there's is answers, there is a truth, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> All right, we're going back to. I have a notes here, so I'm going to go to my notes because okay. I wrote specific things that I didn't. I want to make sure we covered. Took notes. Yeah, because I want to make sure we covered them. We got to cover. Because I'll go off. Yeah. All right, let's. I want to touch on writing a book, man. Like, yeah. is that your first book you published? Yeah. I, <laughs> you know what happens is you come to faith in 2004, and right away I'm like, okay. I've got to work on my marriage. I yeah. want to treat my wife right. She wants to treat me right. So we're Christians, you know, obviously coming to faith. Read the Bible in and out, read every kind of book. And I've seen even within the church, a lot of believers don't even read the promises of God. So over the years, me traveling, sharing, and speaking at outreaches or festivals, and just counseling so many couples, I was like, all right, I have to put this out. I have to write it. Yeah. And it's kind of like we said in skating, it's changed. For me to go get a publisher... They pay you money up front, then they spend all this money to advertise it, and they're paying all the people that work for them. And so you're in debt to that company. No. Or I wrote it, I had a lady that edits all these books, edit it for me, I got it all myself. And what's the biggest distribution in the world? I mean, Amazon. Yeah. I put it on Amazon, a dude buys it, it gets printed one copy and sold to him. That's it. Genius. So for me, it was like, I, I want to sell as many to give as many away. And, but dude, it's very serious. I mean, it's 30 days. It's like 
the gospel. It's what we faced. It's all the good and bad we experienced. It's what marriage is really about. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole struggle people have with marriage in this is that we're claiming as believers that when two people become one, you know, and your girl takes your last name, Shetler, and she puts a ring on, and the first time you're physical, if you're both virgins, there's, there's a shedding of blood. We're, believe, Christians are saying, there's something supernatural, like you become one. She becomes one with me, and that's a work of God. And if that's true, I died. Anthony and his motives and his agenda and everything he's about, part of that died now. Now you've got to take care of this woman. Part how you got to provide. That that was a big influence. Am I going to be all about skating and me and the covers of magazines and money? Or am I going to love my wife so my kid knows I was committed? Am I going to raise my kids saying, I'm going to work hard for you so that you can see the love of Christ in me, despite when I'm still frustrated or whatever? Yeah. And this is just a book, too. If you're a dude who's been going to church, like, my marriage is falling apart. Okay, man. And it's like 30 days, you know, it's like 30 days. I mean, there's me and my wife, you know, on the beach. Yeah. It's just called Never Fails because when we got married, 1 Corinthians 13 says love never fails. So it'll fail and I'm not loving her or it really wasn't love I was walking in. And I'm talking about, you know, how is God going to shape me into the image of Christ, like he says, through this marriage now? So that that was it. And I don't know. I feel like I want to write more books. I'm not trying to be Mr. Author or nothing, but did you, you know, produce it. What, sorry to cut you off, but did you, yeah. um, did you have a hard time writing it or were you scared to start it? Like what... Were you good you know, at writing in school? You know, or? Well, it's like a skater. You know, you're going to... If Anthony Shetler goes and films a video part, you will not see a hand drag. You'll film the trick 50 times till you get it. <laughs> so we have this level of perfection that's in us that drives us crazy. Yeah. And, and even outside of skating, I've been told by business people, you guys are what's known as experts. You take one thing and you focus on it over and over and over. So to start it was like, I can't get it out of my system. I, I, I know I have to write this. And just one of my pastors said, look, you should just do it as you have the time. When I'm in a hotel, when I'm traveling, when I'm home for a week. And so I just wrote it like I wrote a sermon. Here's 30 thoughts. Here's what I know to be true. 10 pages. I mean, 10 chapters of solid theology. Here's God. Here's his picture. Here's the Bible. So that people will know I know the Bible. And the Bible is sustainable and tells us what it tells us. And then the next 20 chapters are like, here's probably what you're fighting about. I mean, it's to do with anger to do with being physical, romance, sex, money. I mean, and it's all based on, on faith, which to any non-believer, you're going to be able to read this and be like, it, it applies. It applies to everyone. If you're deceiving with your bank account, how's it going to help your marriage? If you flirt with every girl you see, you're probably not going to be faithful in 10 years. Yeah. It's practical to a non-believer. And then biblically, it's like Christians should have the best sex ever. The Bible teaches that. Christians should have more romance than ever. See, and guys always smile when you tell them that. Like, oh, I want to be a Christian. Well, <laughs> another guy's wife's bitter and wound up and mad and thinks you don't deserve it. God says, yeah, your husband's acting the way he is because you guys aren't being physical sometimes. Because you want it to be all romantic and, you know, poetic and like the notebook. Sometimes your husband, who's a believer, has been so stressed at work and he just wants to be very physical with you. But you've compartmentalized the two. God doesn't do that. Yeah. It's all of them. I think about women are released from that then, like it's a power trip. So I put it out. We got like a bunch of thousand out so far. And I'm just going to, it'll be around till I die. You know, I, I go places and speak and they get a lot of them. They have conferences and it's that's it. pretty crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I picture cool. writing a book. So. <laughs> I love stories. I like stories. I feel like you like stories too. That's probably why the Bible is very attractive to you. <laughs> <laughs> There's some crazy parts. I and mean, you get in there and some of it, you got to really dig. And then you see the beauty. But... 
when I first read parts, I was like, what, what's going on here? So that's <laughs> I like- why I tell people, don't put it down if you haven't picked it up. I mean, if it's really God's word, he claims he'll speak. It's between you and him. You gotta open that and, and see what God's saying, you know? So. Um, you know what I, I always liked about you? <laughs> That's perfect. I always liked about you is like, uh. There <laughs> we go. You always expressed yourself. You like, even with your fashion and the style and the way you carried yourself, like you put, you had, you understood that you had an expression. I like, I always like. <laughs> It's weird to say this. It's complimentary, I promise. Not- you know what it is? It's, I think it's being an outward processor because you have to do this with like, don't post food on, on Instagram. I hate these people. And I'm like, <laughs> here's my food just to mess with your pride. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. But you know what? Like I said, dude, even that ice commercial I did where they put like blue stuff in my hair. Nice. I'm like, no one gets to be like controlling of that. Because, like, I just thought of people saying, how much do you skate? I'm like, oh, I skate all the time. Who's your crew? My nine-year-old daughter, my <laughs> six-year-old son. I'm fully involved in skateboarding. But I'm just saying, like, there's a protectiveness of me to the to the core of what is. You know, like, there's no such thing as integrity to anyone but you. If you don't do what you feel led to do, then you're not working on integrity. If I'm manipulated by the system and go, I've got to do this and do this and say all the right things... I'm being real to everyone else, but I'm being fake to myself. I'm not saying to say that, like, I've got this integrity, but I feel like if you're an outward processor like me, it's going to come out. Yeah. If you're an introvert, be the dude that hates everyone posting food on Instagram. I want to see what they're eating. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So. <laughs> I like, I like I, it. I like it. The thing I compare it to is like cons- uh, like creation and consumption, you know? Like when you're yeah. expressing yourself, you're putting your creations out there, you know? You're putting out... And yeah. then like when you're when you're kind of... Otherwise, you're consuming it, you know? Like nowadays, especially with all the social media. And, but I mean, oh it's, it's been going on forever with technology. Like people just consume yeah. and create with it. Like, But it's a balance, basically, in what you're saying. is finding a balance in between expressing yourself and then also, you know, watching other people and like... And it's, and it's where it's going to go. I mean, you know, as a believer, we live in a world that is so narcissistic. I mean, you know, this is called an iPhone. (laughs) iPhone, it's about me. Facebook is about my face, I mean, my space, YouTube. And so we're put in this world for a reason, to draw attention to someone, but we're always focused on drawing attention to ourselves. And so now it's like, I got buddies that are in movies or doing something. The amount of likes they have on their Instagram can make the difference if they get in the movie or not. So yeah. everyone is obsessed with everyone going like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah. So we've made ourselves like, again, it was Evil Knievel. I don't know if you know this, but he had two jets and he bought two jets so he could fly alongside one of them just to see the painting of himself on the, on the jet. And, I mean, and later on, he came to faith and said, I was so about myself. I mean, of course you were. And that that That's the whole point of life is like, am I choosing me or am I choosing others? And that's... Yeah, yeah. I think, like, part of the experience, like, from being a little kid and growing older is, like, you have to go into the world and explore and make mistakes and figure shit out. You have to define yourself. When you're younger, when you're younger, you're always defining yourself, you know? You're like, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. And that's not a bad thing. I feel like you have to do that. You have to. Yeah, you you gotta try shit on. It's new. This whole experience is new. But even for me, like when I was a little kid, like 
always listen to stories because stories would help me avoid pitfalls. You know what I mean? I didn't have yeah. to. I didn't have to try those shoes on because the story of that person or that thing and how that worked out. So I always liked sto- yeah. stories. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's part of the experience is you sink into culture and you start to like feel it and become it, and then you can change it. You know? And they're all influenced by it. I mean, you know, we were just talking a little bit ago about, about Dylan. I mean, Dylan's a little, you know, Rita. Yeah, Dylan. Grew up around here. I mean, who did he look at growing up? Heath. Yeah. He did nose blunts, you know, and kick flips and backside flips. And then you watch Dylan, who was around guys like John Goldman. Goldman, you know, yes. Tight pants and rolled up, you know, little rolled up pants. <laughs> and I remember just watching Dylan's part and seeing in six months, everyone will have their pants rolled up and wear these kind of shoes that no one knew would stick. Yeah. Now, is that to say that's because of Dylan? Yeah, the influence is... But he was influenced by something, and that's something we can embrace. Yeah. Everyone with, you know, Dickies and a backwards Spitfire cap and doing, you know, whatever kind of they're doing on a pool or whatever, you can say, okay, well, that's an anti-hero or more back label or whatever it is. This is just skate culture. You get to do that. Now yeah. I'm seeing more guys went to Park Last with higher cut pants, getting almost like old school, like 90s looking state. I'm like, I wonder where this is going to go. Yeah. And the thing is, dude, everyone is, like we said... We take this pride in like being a leader, but most, I mean, we are sheep. Even though we God made us, we're meant to follow something. We're meant to follow him, but we're following everything else. And that's, that's the way culture goes yeah. every day. Influence, influence, influence. So, yeah, it's a crazy, yeah. it's a crazy world out there for sure. But I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel about like automation? Like, do you think about that shit at all? What's that? The, <laughs> like automation. Like automation, like um, automatic cars, like like machines taking jobs, you know, like yeah, it, it's or it's true. crazy because I mean, you know, Google has a an a, like an invisible tattoo. You can put it on your arm, and you can walk up to your car and put your hand on the wheel, and it just starts. So you can put your car, your hand on the door, and it all sets in. It goes to all your things. So yeah. I get why it makes sense, but I mean, the idea that machines will do what people can, it's going to just rob jobs. It isn't going to be fair, but it's going to be more convenient. I mean, it's just the way it's going. So, I wonder. I don't know. I wonder if. Um, and I'm spitballing. I don't fucking know either. No, n- yeah. n- neither of us are psychics. But imagine if it did. Like, if people, if it did take up some jobs that people didn't want to do, but then people could find like what they really want to do and monetize that and make a living enjoying. Like, if that's possible. Oh, yeah. I, w- I would hope people would want to do that. They talk about it. I hear, I listen to these podcasts, and they're always like, if people didn't have to stress, if they had their basic needs covered, like, and didn't have to, you know, work to survive, they could work to live and even get above survival, you know? Like, people would just fall apart, you know? Like, if they didn't... I love work. Work is awesome, but I'd work whether I had a million, yeah. trillion dollars or if I had a dollar in the bank. Like, work... Well, I, I had this conversation today with my kids, you know, because Dakota's 16, and again, oh, yeah. obviously, I'm saying it's crazy. <laughs> Is even biblically like part of our kiss is we're gonna work hard all the days of our life. So I know six days out of the week I wanna work, I wanna do something. I'm not saying I have this holy day that's gonna sit around, but my dad had a stroke and it wasn't a stroke that messed him up. It was that he couldn't do stuff. You and I are a human being. We're made to do something. So if I get up today and I'm just like, Oh, I'm just sitting on the couch. I get it. Sitting on a beach in Hawaii for two weeks with your bride is great but you go a bit crazy you're meant to be doing something and the sad thing is that i think people if they did have their basic needs net needs met 
We live in one of the richest countries in the world, America. Yeah. They're going to want the next version of the car. The, I mean, it's the human condition. We're going to want more Starbucks or the newest phone. I mean, people are getting into debt over things like this. People I see that, you know, they're living in Long Beach and they have a Mercedes and a BMW, but don't own a house yet. <sighs> it's like, we just, so I get the system, but I think it's not how to figure it all out for everyone. It's more like the human being us as a creature we just need more we're never going to be satisfied so it's like what could we do could yeah. be picked up electronically I mean you know what? what's it going to look like I just would hate to see people that don't have jobs not making any money and it get worse because electronics are taking over I yeah mean, it's, it's crazy yeah yeah so. well uh, the one faith I have is that the people that have power and influence and control they don't want the rest of the castle on fire while they're on top of it, you know, because it's just yeah. no one wants to live around chaos. Even if they, oh, yeah. even if they just board themselves off somewhere, but like, so I'm hoping there's some connection to human humanity. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. I mean, honestly, just aside from that, it is a, a strange time we're in. Yeah, because I think people don't really see what's going on. Obviously, with a with a biblical worldview or just a regular worldview, yeah. I look at the world. I remember telling you, you know, right when I came to faith, I remember sitting in. I think we were on the East Coast and just one night talking about stuff, and it was about how people don't get what potentially could happen with the Muslim side of things against the rest of the world. Yeah, and you know what I mean. And people go, "Oh, well, you're against people." Like I'm not. No. I'm all for everyone. Like don't get me wrong, but I'm saying. I sat on a plane with a woman from Persia, and she was 30, and she was all together with the sweetest conversation. And I said, so as a Muslim and as a Christian, if there was a holy war called right now, what would you have to do? And she starts laughing. And she's laughing because, like, why are you asking? I, go, I just want to know. And I was like, would you have to kill anyone that's not what you believe? And she's like, well, yeah. And I remember saying then, if timelines line up, what things could look like, you have Isaac and Ishmael in the Bible, you have these two stories. So I look at the world as like, what is it being shaped towards? What is potentially going to happen? And I mean, you can take that anywhere you want to go. I don't want to turn into, you know, Alex Jones here. but No, but it matters because people's intentions and people's thoughts become reality. You know, well, they're self-fulfilling. So whether they believe it or not, yeah. you will do things based on what you believe. So whether you go back to the Masons, this Illuminati idea, I mean, Albert Pike. You go look at the influences of things and what's being put out there intentionally. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying that to say to the mom who's sitting on her couch stressed going, what's happening in this nation? I'm saying that to the, the Muslims with integrity who are doing what they're doing here because they want to be a part of society who are being outcast. I'm saying that as an overall to say there are self-fulfilling prophecies for people. Yeah. And then for me, I say, okay, things have totally accelerated over the course of... And I, and I love... I love the whole crisis actor idea and this whole, like, everyone's just faking everything. I, I mean, I spend a lot of time traveling and preaching, so when I'm home, I get the crazy videos about the guys from the UFO or they want to know about the end times. So I'll watch all that stuff because I want to, you know, it's my downtime. So I want to be cultured as well and know what people are thinking. Yeah. You know, our generation, I want to ask me stuff and go, well, here's what I know about that. Yeah, so, you, that's the best way because you can relate to everyone and yeah, connect. Yeah, when I go to the skate park and the kids go, and go, what do you think about this? I want to be like, uh, I get it. I'm sharing the Bible. That's my life. But I want to be able to relate to what he is. So when he asks, I can filter it and say, hey, man, consider this. Yeah. That That's that's the point, you know, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sick. All right, let me to switch it up a little bit. I want to digress again and go back to uh. Remember Dylan? When I first met Dylan, he had like yep. 
he had like the wrist guards on because his wrists were always jacked. Yeah. And he had like little black hair sticking out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's doing handrails and like it was so sick. It was sick to see Dylan like find himself. Like yeah. I think you had an influence on him as well, man. As far as like because you hung out with Goldman and you and like you were always like had a style and unique look and like. It was cool watching, even Goman. It was cool to see Goman find himself and like. I his... think Goman was Dylan's favorite skater. I think Oblo just told me that recently. Damn, so. that's pretty sick. <laughs> When's the last you time know, you've seen Goman? I think online I seen some of his Instagram and he was cooking a bunch of food. Nice. <laughs> and it made me hungry. But the Dylan thing and why it's crazy is, you know, um, I mean, he was this kid that was 11, 12, and we would go to Van Skate Park at the block. Again, tweet my ankle, call my wife. We connected, four months later, married, pregnant. We would go to vans, and then this little kid started showing up. And it was Dylan, his mom and dad, you know, and McKenna, and they would just sit there, and he would skate. So I'd be there all the time, he'd be there all the time. And I think he might have, I don't even know if he shot with Oblo yet for the Quicksilver thing, but he was around. Yeah. And he would just do big melons, the fakie, and front board stuff, little kid, bunch of braces. <laughs> and so I was around them a lot. I, I you know, always a yes as far as getting him on the team getting him to do everything i mean i wrote for analog with him a lot of that stuff even when i became a believer you know he was always respectful and um, knew i was for him and, and what i was like as a person over my faith i never you know I, I mean i was on analog and went to japan with those guys traveled everywhere and what was hard for me is i'd known he was sick for a long time his dad would come to our church he would connect i was going to go up and see him and then i'm just sitting on the couch and i just got this text and I think it was even, it was just posted somewhere. And it was in like a, almost a shallow way. It was just a statement. And I was just like, and I talked to Ortiz, you know, and his mom a little bit. And I heard he wasn't doing too good. And then I just went in the room and showed my wife. And she was like bummed. Yeah. And then I went and I went skating. And I don't normally just go do that. And I went skating and I pulled up to the van skate park. Because it's the same concrete. It's a different van skate park. It's the outdoor one. Yeah. And I just started crying. And I just like... And it's because I just see this, like, teenage Dylan and grabbing his head, you know, and I get the impossibles and nose blunts and I get the whole being in New York and the modeling and all the rest of it, you know what I mean? But dude, he was just a rad guy and I, and I wish I spent more time while I was working on my stuff, you know. We had guys like I'll blow around people loving on him, but it was just crazy because it just, I'm not that emotional anymore. I've been through so much and it just really hit me, just this young kid, like my son, and I just wanted that day, and I just wanted to nosebone everything and be like, man, dude. But you know, but the other thing is, within a few days before he was about to pass, I mean, I, a friend, a guy that was a, was a pastor at church, went and sat with him and had deep conversations. And I know that's more private for where he was, but I believe he fully sat there and hearing his mom's faith and different things. And to me, the end of it is, look, nosebones will pass away. Photographs and magazines will pass away. You know, you can leave a mark here, like we said, but... But where's Dylan today? Does he get to hang out with my mother in heaven? I mean, is he looking down like sick? Look at Goldman making his food. Hey, Brian, how's he talking about me? I mean, what's it about? Because we're all going to end up, you know, before the Lord anyway. So I believe what I'm told, he was, he, he prayed and confessed and understood his life at plenty of time. And it's great that the skate world is just going to celebrate him because he's, I mean, you just don't, you don't impossible over benches. You know, you don't switch kickflip stuff. I mean, he's just, you know, and he knew what he was doing. He was playing it. Like, I mean, you know, you know, he's a little kid. And he came into his own and that. And I mean, him and Austin Gillette. And I don't mean playing the bad way. I mean, in a good way. They like, found what they, they liked. Good. Yeah. He found what he liked. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to look up to Heath growing up or whoever you've looked up to, 
go and exercise the UR. I love watching that, you know? I mean, yeah. it was amazing. It makes me want to watch his part now, but I'm saying, like, he got to accomplish that and have a loving family. And then for me, it's like, man, he left this world on the right note, like, last mm. minute. Okay, I get it. He had two years to think about this stuff, and, and he made that decision. I'm like, man, the, the dude graduated. I love thinking about that when people passed. They just went on. And we're the ones still here wondering what everything's about, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. A, it's like a rabbit hole. I don't know. It's, you, you go... I imagine you have to just keep fucking exploring until the last moment, and then that's... You mean in life? Yeah, in life, like... Well, that depends on how deep you even want to go, because, you know, here's the dif- here's the difference, like... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my, my desk fell apart. <laughs> Hold on, Brian. Let me just put it Is it from Ikea? <laughs> No, yeah, it might be, I don't know. Because Ikea's normally, it's been getting better the past few years. Oh, nice. Okay, go ahead, I'm but, sorry to fall apart on you. <laughs> that, that's the difference, and I know we had the conversations, like, even when you say you figure it out, like, here's the difference, either God does what he says he's going to do, or he doesn't. Yeah. Like, he says, when you go to him, he will show up and forgive you when he puts out his gospel. And I have many friends who are high-level atheists and... They don't have a clue about God. They don't want to know about God. But it's almost like me saying, Anthony, there's 30 bucks in this wallet, which there's not. I don't carry money at all, no cars. But if I said there's 30 bucks, the second you go, no, there's not, you have no idea. And you begin to go tell everyone there's no evidence for the $30 in this because you've never looked. No one gets to have the evidence for God until God reveals himself to them. And that's what I tell all my atheist friends. A kid came to me once and said, man, I used to be a Christian. I go, no, you didn't. Yeah, well, I went to church. It doesn't make you a Christian. I read the Bible. It doesn't make you a Christian. Where are you forgiven? Did Jesus Christ show up? I mean, you know, that was crazy. You got to fight. You talk about the Rito shop and all the rest in a minute. But either I went crazy or what happens in the Bible happened. God saves you, gives you the Holy Spirit, and you're never the same. And that is it. When I go to skate the skate parks and I get to share with these kids, I go, look, man, I don't know where I would have been if it was only me and skating. I wouldn't have been married, remarried. I might have been not alive today. I was very angry and suicidal. I mean, but the difference is if someone doesn't open this, see what God says, like, um, you know, all these people just throw around unicorns in the Bible and the Christians hate it. Well, I'm like, no, they don't. Like, study it, find it. I'm saying that to say to your point, you can know now it's between you and the Lord. Don't wait till the end for some guy who's like, I'm going to live till I'm 90. And then the last minute, just read a page. It's like, no, if God's your father... And he's pushing you out the road, like we said. It's on him. He claims when you read his love letter, he's going to begin to speak. He claims when you confess your sins, he's going to save. And that's what I didn't know. I was 24, and I studied and tried to disprove everything. And things just fall apart, man. Psychist movie and all these ideas and the missing link still missing and macro microevolution. People think we don't study as Christians. Like, did I know top scholars of Oxford, both sides of it. Like, yeah. I'm very adept in, in knowing that world now, and that's all I have for my skate friends. Like, do they know what they think, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's gnarly, man. I am I just noticed when you found religion, it, your life started to go in a direction where you had control, for sure. You just started to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where you were like, you had purpose, you know? And I, I always admired purpose, and yeah. it's hard for me to hate. Like, I talk shit, because, like, who doesn't? As a kid, you know, like... <laughs> Listen to you. 
But I mean, I talk shit on myself, you know. I'm the first one to admit fault. What's that? Well, no, I wanted to get to the burrito story. Oh, yeah. Because I've told that story before, and I hope that I never insulted you. That was never my oh, intention. No, no. All right. Uh, did you tell it on here, or was it in a magazine? I've told it on my podcast a couple times. I've just been like, dude, I was on this trip with Sumner, and, like, he was becoming, like, finding religion in his thing, and, like, there was these methed out dudes that were at a burrito shop, and, uh, I've told it before, but maybe you could give me the experience from your perspective. <laughs> and you can line them up and see? Well, I think, I think I gauged the situation pretty truly and honest. I was like, this is just is what's happening, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> I remember, you gotta think, like, I got all these tickets for skating, and they don't exist. There's no skateboarding ticket. It's vandalization and trespassing. Yeah. So I'm divorced from Tracy. I have community service. I have anger management. I'm reading all these Christian books, trying to prove all these religions, going through it. I can't just go skate, you know. I remember that. Because I'm on probation. So if I get a ticket, it's a probation violation. I can go to prison because of how crazy it is. So now I'm in Arizona... And it's late night burritos, and there's you, you know, Westgate, Seamus, and I don't even know who else is with us. Was Goldman and everyone there? Maybe. And he wasn't, because he probably would have just tackled everyone. <laughs> <laughs> or he would have just hit them with a guitar. <laughs> and I'm just, like, standing in line, and then those guys come in, and there's kind of, like, two, I don't know what was going on. And they were just kind of, like, flexing on everyone, or just walking around, and those these, they were kind of talking to, like, whoever we were with, like, making just comments or staring at people. And it was like 12 in the, in the night. Yeah. And then I think there was like a, two ladies or a guy and a girl and they got like, they were saying something and I was kind of like taken off by it as we were sitting down. And so I just got up and went outside like, is this okay? And as I went outside, like, I look at the guy and the guy's like, what? What? He just starts going. I don't remember what happened. But I remember just like getting hold of him to like keep him away. It got like collar grab, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like That's when I like, came in. That's when I came into the story. Well, I remember your part. Of the <laughs> you. I'm like, you know, the glorified lady. I was so bummed. I mean, you remember afterwards, I flew home. I was so bummed it happened. Because here's me, like, reading the Bible. Like, okay, maybe God was allowing me to see. Dude, you, you struggle with anger, you know? And it was it was all justified. This guy's flexing on everyone. What were they going to do to these girls? And then I'm out there. Yeah. And I just remember the guy, like, I was like, whoa. And as I get older, and the guy just starts, like, swinging. And I didn't swing because I was like... And then there's another guy over here, and I was like, oh, no. I remember just, like, hitting the guy, and then um, I know, like, he tried to grab my legs. I remember, like, kneeing him or something in the face, and I was thinking, like, I, I, I've never kneed someone in the face, and it landed, and I was like, oh, what am I doing? I'm like, and the first thing I'm thinking is, I'm a Christian. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? And then what was the funny part was that the other guy comes over, and I think he's, this isn't the funny part, the other guy comes over to me and says something. I remember just, like, like, Pushing him away, but like smacking him. Yeah. And then as I got up, I was about to like try and give the whole, hey guys, everyone chill. And then what I hear is, well, what I see is a wet burrito <laughs> that you threw, hitting the guy in the face. So the guy's just been pretty much told to chill, starts trying to punch me, punched in the knee. And, and I mean, the guy, second he went down, I got away. I was like, I don't want to, you know, hurt this guy. Yeah. I'm trying to stop the guy. Hit in the face of the burrito. <laughs> you just like run over on the guy and then like Westgate. And then and then the funniest part is that Seamus, if you don't know who he is, which you should by now, Seamus Deegan. I don't even know where he works right now. He's basically Ben Affleck. Yes. In some ways. So you've got you and Nicholas Cage, him is Ben Affleck. And, and he starts walking around saying, Don't come around here. You know, try this, whatever. 
And I'm thinking in my head, I'm a Christian, I'm in the middle of a fight. Anthony just hit this guy with a wet burrito. I mean, it was a proper wet, like, from the bottom burrito. And Seamus is walking around in Arizona where he doesn't live, telling people, don't try this around. Like a sheriff. Like a sheriff. Like a sheriff. <laughs> walking around, and I'm thinking, I want to laugh, but this is lame. I'm thinking it's 12 at night. We're going to get jumped by all the homies or whatever. And yeah. then we get in the car, we're driving in the, the burnout van, and I am so like, what is going on? What am I doing? I'm so bummed at myself. And then the phone rings, and I don't know if you remember this, but you have the dude's phone, and I'm like, it's, we've got their phone, and so you open a big gulp, drop it in, throw it out the window, <laughs> and I was just like, and then I got on the phone, and I'm going home, I'm out of Arizona, I don't want to deal with this, and then, yeah, and honestly, when I came to faith, there was a couple of times when crazy things happened, like, almost getting run over surfing, and a guy's like, trying to fight me, and I wouldn't. And then a guy in his car almost hit one of my kids, and I just wouldn't. And I had to learn, like, you know, fight or flight. God had to deal with those things. But I don't know how you remember it, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, you nailed it. I mean, I just remember that you were having some turmoil, and you were, you were like, finding yourself, and then all that shit popped off, and I'm just glad no one got hurt. And uh, I just remember coming... Well, yeah, <laughs> I just remember coming out the door, and you had the taller dude, like, grab by the throat, and then that's, like, I just aimed and hooked it, and then I remember... Yeah, the first time you threw a burrito? I mean, I have a pretty good arm, Brian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, from the base, it was, like, the side, it split around, because I, I remember saying, I was about to like, hey, man, listen, and it was just, like... <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not glorifying it, I'm just saying, like, at no. that time in my life... It, I can, I can, I probably played that through a thousand times, so I can see it. And I think the guy like a leather jacket on, so it's already trouble. Like, wear a leather jacket, it's <laughs> and it was bright red, just run. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. But you know, dude, if you're listening and you're waiting for that guy to do a read about you, we are sorry. Yeah, and yeah. Because Anthony's already confessing all kinds of stuff. Here, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> for sure, though, that was a that was like one of the craziest situations, and I'm glad nobody got hurt, like worse than getting kneed in the face. <laughs> like yeah, I'm yeah. glad we made it out, but like, damn, it's a good story. It's a good story to not be those guys, though. <laughs> I know <laughs> those guys were naughty. <laughs> yeah, and that's sad. Those guys get into so much trouble. They probably have that every other weekend, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, I think I held you up long enough, and it's like, if, I don't know if you can hear that, but it, it was sick. You were telling a story, and it started raining <laughs> in my That's skylight. <laughs> I can hear it. Yeah, it's the skylight, because we in my studio or whatever this room is. <laughs> Going crazy, yeah. Yeah, but, th dude, this is this has been awesome, Brian, and uh, yeah. I hope you're down to come on more, dude, because... Uh, Whatever, honestly, if you have crazy questions or stuff like have some crazy conversation they're down yeah that would be or you want to talk about random stuff ever yeah i mean i'm gonna get out i'm not i you know i talked to jeff enough i'm skating with more dudes now i just feel like i wanted to step back and work on my marriage and my life and i i mean i'm out doing events and skating but i feel like i'm gonna skate a lot more yeah and it, just my kids are getting so into it so i'll see everyone around i'll go to trade shows and see people and how's that how's that, that feel to have your kids into it must be so cool, man. It, it's crazy because Dakota, like, all the tricks I could do, it's like he, he I could just tell. He could salad grind, nollie flip, backside flip, but then he's like a surfer, like, pool sweeper kind of guy, which I would never, you know, I couldn't throw him like that. Yeah. And then, then Eden, 
It's got a killer little style for a girl. I'm not pushing him to be like sponsored in this. I don't want to be like the soccer dad. I'm like, skating is neutral, but there's so many influences right now that I'm like, I don't need you walking around like you're the dude at the park or you're whatever. Yeah. I just don't want them carrying that. But I mean, my youngest is all about it. We skated last night at a ramp. Um, they're dominating up in the backyard. They were skating all morning. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. So it feels good to have kids and know that they're doing it. But they don't know it. They don't know anything about me. They're just like, oh yeah, you're you're this guy that was a pro or something. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just cool to think that like. Because, like, the reason I fell in love with skating, and I'm sure you did, and all everyone listening did, is because you, like, it's, you apply your energy to something, and, you know, you keep experimenting until you find a way to ride away from the trick, yeah. or to find a style, or whatever. Whatever we apply to skateboarding, like, it's so sick, man. It's, it must be so cool to see, like, the, the your little one, with the, the see it and appreciate that. It seems, like, so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I need to get them, you know, I probably need to go get them out up in L.A. and around some spots. They can, now that I'm off probation, nice. they can actually skate, you know, go all the attends there or something with them, so. Yeah, you need to Instagram it for us. Well, actually, I know. that's a good way. Uh, if people want to check out anything that you're doing, what's your social media sites or where can they find I anything? I just go to bryansumner.net, and I mean, honestly, it's, a lot of it's just, um, as I'm traveling, things I'm doing, updates. Yeah, and you know what's amazing is how many guys, because you got to realize, you know, you weren't raised in the faith, and I wasn't, but there's so many kids that in the middle of America were raised in it, were mad at it, and might have looked up to me as a skater, and then had a crazy marriage or dude were on drugs or methed out or just overliving, and they'll come track me down because of something someone sent them. Yeah. So I feel like all those kids that were kind of comfortable with the faith, will reach out to me and I get to connect with them and they're like, oh, it's so crazy. I'm like, yeah, but it's not really. Like, this is how God works kind of thing. And then when I travel, I connect. So anyone that wants to connect with me over anything, I mean, I'm just around. And obviously, like I said, I pastor a church here. I travel a lot. And I skate enough doing jiu-jitsu and just just living life. So awesome. if I can be a help of someone, that's it. Hell Good yeah. Good to go, you know. Hell yeah, Brian. Thank you, man. Yeah. <laughs> you too. I'll talk to you guys soon. Take it easy. Last thing before we go, I'd just like to thank All I Need for sponsoring this podcast. Please check out allineedskate.com. Choo-choo-choo-choo.